Hello, everybody. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, whenever you listen to us, welcome to We Ate All the Pies, another holiday edition of We Ate All the Pies. And this week we're saying Mary Varmus, or I guess not so Mary Varmus, depending on uh, which club you follow. But it was a weekend full of penalty controversy and questions of what's VAR doing there uh, in several games, which we will talk about. But my holiday co-hosts are, st- are here uh, once again. Uh, gentlemen, your presents are in the mail. Are 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 in the mail? I've uh, gotten a uh, a verification from the Queen herself that they will be there before Christmas. So take that take with that what you will. But uh, from the great state of Georgia, it is Caleb. Hello, Caleb. Hello. I've already gotten one package uh, marked royal oh, yeah. mail this year, and so that was uh, that was a fun experience. So I appreciate you you guys being thoughtful. <laughs> What uh, tell tell everybody? So what what was in the Royal Mail package? I don't know if we talked about this yet. Jordan got me a directly from I assume the Fulham team store a uh, a three D puzzle of Craven Cottage, so I get to build my own uh, Craven Cottage, even though I've never been. So now when I watch games, I get to do it while drinking my coffee out of my Fulham mug uh, with Craven Cottage in the background. So nice. only way to beat that's to go to West London itself, I think. Which you will have to do at some point, but that is a great way to recreate it. That was fantastic. Great gift idea, Jordan. When Jordan told me about that, I was like, oh, Caleb's going to love that. So great gift idea, Jordan. Once again on the road this week, how are you? I'm doing all right, Adam and Caleb. Uh, (laughs) Merry Christmas. Merry Varmus. uh, we do have to uh, make a We All the Pies road trip to the motherland at some point. (laughs) Um, my idea is just we literally stay within the London metropolitan area and do football for three days straight. Don't know about y'all, that would be just the extent of, of my first trip over there. Um, yeah, no, uh, uh, Far Claws was not kind to all of us. Uh, that's, I'll talk yeah, about that later. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I guess that's... I don't know. I've got I'll, I, I've got mixed feelings about the one in the West Ham game, but uh, but yes, it, it was a weekend full of that. Like I said, that kind of controversy, the exact kind of controversy that I was told, at least if I remember this correctly, that VAR was supposed to prevent, and yet here we are in the second or th- I think second, maybe the third season that we have this stuff. And I will say, I think that they've done a better job this season with VAR. I think there's less controversy when it comes to the offside calls. I think. That, that they've toned that down a bit, which has been good. There's still been a few moments. I think Richarlison would like a word um, uh, about what I, what I just said there. But so there have been a few moments w- with the offside. But overall, I think it's been better. And I have been liking the let's be a little bit more loose about the contacts in the field of play sort of thing, and maybe not calling as many ticky tack fouls as we've seen before. However. Again, I would say ticky-tack fouls are exactly what VAR gave penalties for or approved penalties for this weekend. So let's start with the one that City fans, I think, were most happy about, what everyone else was scratching their head about regarding the VAR decision. So this one was the early game on Saturday. It was City 1, Wolves nil. This, of course, kept uh, City at the top of the table. And... uh, 
let's just let's just go ahead and start. We'll start with with the the incident here. So, uh, Bernardo Silva, who's been fantastic, is a goalless first half. Bernardo Silva going down the right side tries to cross it into the box. He's being guarded by João Moutinho, who several will note is not himself a defender. He's a midfielder. Um, so he gets the cross in, and you know for whatever reason. Jean Moutinho sticks his right arm straight up in the air. And so it's got it hanging over his head. But the ball strikes him under the arm and sort of on the side of his body. And so I know he's got his arm outstretched, and of course that's not at all a natural position. However, to my knowledge, it doesn't, from what I can see, it doesn't actually hit his arm. It hits his armpit, and it goes off the underside of his arm. And the penalty is called. They check it. They look at VAR, and I remember thinking, "Oh, well, they're going to call this back because it's not, it's not a penalty." And they gave it. And I'm I'm still baffled. I don't understand why this was called. I this one made absolutely no sense to me, and mainly for two reasons. Number one, I don't think it actually hits his arm. Number two, if his arm is in a let's just pretend that Moutinho defends like a normal person and sticks his arm down by his side. If it hits that same spot. It's the outside of his shoulder, which he cannot move. And surely you wouldn't give a penalty for that. And the result wouldn't have changed. He didn't gain an advantage by having his arm up in the air and the ball striking his armpit. It would have been the same if his arm were down by the side and it hit his shoulder. The same result would have happened. So how on earth can you give a penalty? Gentlemen, I am baffled by this decision. And the only thing that comes to mind is that this is City and they get those calls. Well, of course it's City and they get those calls. Now, in the defense of the on-the-field referee, in real time, you can make a case that it looks like it hits his arm. Sure. So you give the penalty on the field. Right. And unfortunately for VAR, I really didn't see an angle that conclusively proves the on-the-field official otherwise. Oh, I did. Like you're arguing, Adam, that it hit him in his it hit him in his uh, elbow and kind of rolls up his arm. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, kind of, it, 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 it didn't. It didn't hit his elbow. It hit. It, 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 it hit his. Like, it hit his side, and then it sort of rolls up. It looks like it, it hit him in the armpit, armpit area, but it rolls up the arm a little bit. Yeah. So like the last bit you're seeing of the ball touching Jal Moutinho is on his arm. No, is, I don't. I don't even know that it does. I don't even more, know that it did touch his arm. Is, I, I don't. I don't think it does. I think it comes close, but I don't think it did. Those calls, and, and like I'm saying, it, on, on my TV, I did not see conclusive enough evidence from the angles given. Now, if VAR is looking at something completely different, like a different camera angle than what they're showing the live TV, then they need to show it to the live audience because I don't think they are. That it does not look conclusive either way. I think it looked conclusive so that it, it wasn't it a, look- that it wasn't able. That's that, that's my opinion. I also secondary. I will and follow I, up with a I, question. How much well, did I, how much did the did the Dubai? How much how much did did the Sheikh pay you to to say this? How much money are you getting from the UAE, Jordan? I don't need money from the UAE, <laughs> sir. 
I just They're a bunch of broke-ass bitches compared to me. I just, okay, I got, yeah, I got sure. that Saudi money, son. I guess that's true. Uh, but I just... $329 like, billion behind me, homeboy. This just, um, this just feels like so, one of those calls that it would be reversed if it were any other team. You're right. Just given the circumstances, it's City, and they're at the Etihad. It's going to be called probably 60, uh, 60 uh, out of 100 out of hundred times, 60 times, okay? And that's just due to on-the-field official bias towards a home team, okay? Now, that's unfortunate, but in a world, you know, in a world where we have human referees, official bias still exists but towards the home team. But this is that's the why, thing. This is, what VAR, this is what VAR, this is what we were told VAR was supposed to prevent. That's that. But I guess that's my thing. That's that's what's so infuriating. I, I guess is that the, these are VAR is supposed to help things be more uniform and be more, you know, consistent. Because yeah, when you've got a bunch of different referees, you know, in different places calling it the way that they see it, yeah, you're going to get different calls. That's football. It's been football since the very beginning, and it's just the way that you dealt with it. If you're going to bring in something, and by the way, I'm I, I don't care if if VAR has had a good season. I'm still not a fan. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of replay in most sports in general. I think there are a few that you can do it. I think baseball is one of them. I think tennis is definitely one of them because um, they got a pretty good system with the Hawkeye. Um, it works in American football, but I think it still slows the game down and they use it too much. Um, I don't like it in basketball uh, at all. Uh, I, I think that's that's ridiculous. Um, and then I think hockey might be another one where it's just kind of too fast. I'm not sure what the extent of replay is in hockey. But I just I, I and I think this is you know if you're going to implement it, let's implement it fairly and let's do it in a way that's uniform. But if you're not going to do that, which VAR isn't, let's just scrap it. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm tired. I think I think part of the issue here is I think you're right. I think you're both right to a certain extent, and I think that's where the issue comes in. You know, you have the on-field ref who. Yes, the, the, the arm is in, a, is in an, un, an unnatural position. So obviously if the ball hits it, then that's a penalty. I don't think it hits the arm. I think it hits him in the armpit. Yeah. Um, so probably where his shoulder or elbow would have been if his arm was in a more normal place. He throws his arm out, which is stupid, but he's not a defender. Yeah. So it hits him in the armpit, and it, it, and it bounces off of him. But to Jordan's point, if you're the on-field ref, you know, with the arm where it is and where the penalty ta- – and where, where it kind of takes place, I think you do call it. You go, well – you know, worst case scenario, the VAR, you know, the, the assistant referee looks at it and goes, no, it hit him, you know, somewhere else. And then he calls me off. But then VAR looks at it and they go, well, it's super close. And I guess we have to rely on the on-field ref. And so you have both of these entities. And I don't know. This is just I'm just surmising. You have both these entities going, well, I'm going to give the other guy or gal, you know, the, you know, the benefit of the doubt on this. And it's like, we need in, in this instance, VAR would have worked if VAR comes back and it goes, no, that wasn't a penalty and we continue to move on. So if there is going to be a deference to on the field calls from VAR, uh, then I don't see it working quite as well. I think the, the VAR who has the time and the additional angles and slow motion you know, they should be the ones who feel empowered to make the right call, even if it's going against the, the ref on the field. Um, so it, it was unfortunate, it, you know, at the same point in time, you know, City probably deserved that win. Um, you know, you saw the dumbest 
one of the dumbest red cards I've ever seen in my life <laughs> from Raul Jimenez just being an absolute idiot. So, you know, at the end of the day, the result was probably fair. It's just unfortunate that that's how they got that's how they got the goal. Yeah, it's, it's very true. And I again, probably the right the right thing on the day. And yeah, so Jimenez, and I think it was maybe against Diaz, uh, but he fouls Diaz, puts in a striker's challenge on Diaz. It's a yellow card, very clear. And then just stands in front of the free kick, you know, like you see some people do, but reaches out with his foot to block the free kick and and prevent it from going forward, which is an automatic red, yellow card again. The, the, the referee had no choice. So yeah, I've never seen that. That's I've the, I mean, never clearly, seen. I mean, that. did he not under, Did he not know the rules? I mean, had he? I mean, did he not understand that he'd get an automatic yellow for? I mean, he must not have, or he must have just. I don't know. I mean, I, it was the craziest thing. I, not the craziest thing, but that, that's just the to make those two decisions back to back, especially for somebody you know who's you know they're playing city. They've got him nil nil. They're playing well. He's one of their stars. Like to make that to make those decisions back to back is just indefensible, really. Yeah. And for Wolves, I mean, it really because this is the team that you know really struggles to score. I mean, they they you know if you look at the table right now, if you look at goals scored. So I mean, they're they're in tenth. Aston Villa are in ninth and have twenty three goals scored. Brentford, who are behind them in the table, have twenty one goals scored. Wolves have twelve. Um. So. But I mean, they've also conceded far, far less than than the teams around them. So, but I mean, so for for your one of your primary sources of goals, I would say Raúl Jiménez, or at least he hopes to be, to get sent off like that. It's got to be infuriating for 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 Wolves, and it really hamstrings them because now they have no, you know, they're going to defend against City. They're gonna they're gonna sit back, but now they have no recourse going forward. They just can't do it. And I just kind of wonder, Jordan. I know you're trying to to, to say something here, but I I do want to ask. You know, does do Wolves need to look maybe in the transfer market in January and see if they can get a striker or see if they can get something, somebody to sort of reinvigorate that attack? Because right now it's not really happening for them. Um, you have to wonder, you know, you know, you wondered earlier if I'm taking money from a sheik. You have to wonder if Raul Jimenez had uh, had <laughs> inside knowledge of what the odds were on him getting uh, two yellows and sent off because – I like y'all. I don't know what he was thinking. First of all, the uh, the tackle on Rodri, which it was, it wasn't Diaz. It was Rodri. Um, oh, sorry. Was was was. They both they look the same. Let's just be honest. Was we was, <laughs> was was weird to begin with because you fail in pulling him back, so you're automatically trying to pull him. The referee's going to see that, and then you go for a yeah. slide. That's yeah. definitely going to be a yellow, and yeah. then. To sit on the free kick and not give the space to let City take it and stick your leg out and impede the free kick was he? Did did his side chick? Did his wife text him with photos of like his side chick's text messages and say, "Who is she?" Because it seemed like he had somewhere somewhere else to be and it wasn't on the pitch. Um, and secondly, yes, Wolves have to go hunting either a striker or a attacking third playmaker because the loss of Diogo Jota has really hampered their attack this season. Um, what was, what is, what is such a loss for wolves has been 
probably one of the best signings of the year, I feel like, for Liverpool. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they have to go find somebody. I don't know where. Um, the only the name that comes to mind for for me is maybe you go to Napoli and uh, uh, Mertens. I don't know. Try to throw mm-hmm. some cash at them and see if they could get him for half a half a season. Yeah, because he's out of contract. Um, I don't know where you go, but you got to go find somebody because it's not working up top. And it's sad that the Adama Traore uh, experience was just such a you know a one year flash in the pan. Yeah, he really isn't really isn't kind of coming on. I think as much as as people had uh, had hoped. So, so anyway, so City run out uh, winners there at the Etihad. So we've we've gone from the one that I think we we all agree was was somewhat to some extent incorrect. Um, let's go to one that I mean I, I think we can all agree. Also, this one was one hundred percent correct, even though it was a bit unfortunate given the circumstances. Liverpool won, Aston Villa nil. Steven Gerrard's return to at to uh, Anfield. Maybe not quite as he had planned, um, a little bit more about that in a minute, but the incident in question happened about the 66th, 67th minute. Uh, Salah gets in behind, Tyrone Mings chasing, puts in a very, very clumsy challenge, um, very clearly brings down Salah, and the penalty that he converted uh, gets turned in um, in the 67th minute, and that was the difference maker. Liverpool controlled this game for a lot of... The match, and so I mean, you sort of expected that they were going to come out winners. Twenty shots, fourteen chances created. Um, I just wonder a bit, and you guys have been pretty high on on Aston Villa. You're, well, I say pretty high. You've been more optimistic about them than I have after they lost Grealish, and they've certainly been doing better under Gerard. But I just kind of wonder because there were a few moments where I thought maybe Villa could get a little bit more. At Liverpool, you know, they didn't start Buendia. They kind of went more defensive. They were definitely trying to sit back. I just wonder if Villa could have attacked this game a little bit more and given Liverpool a little bit more trouble. Ollie Watkins is a really hard worker. He's going to give you everything. But he can also do other things. He can score goals. We know he can. Uh, and I didn't see that as much in this game. I didn't see him or, or, or Aston Villa maybe trying to give him the opportunities that you would try and give someone like Ollie Watkins. So I don't know. I feel like maybe they sat back a bit much. Maybe that's just me. You know, it seemed like it was the, uh, the Emiliano Martinez uh, show because he made some incredible saves yeah. and really kept, you know, Villa in the game for as long as they were because Liverpool really was peppering the goal. Um, but, you know, maybe the moment was just a little bit much for Gerard. Um and I think when he come, you know, when he comes back to Liverpool next season, I think he'll be a little bit more you know, focused on the pitch and not, you know, kind of lost in the moment. Uh, but and but thirdly, you know, we talked about, you know, earlier how Varclaws gives and uh, Varclaws, Varclaws can be a little bit stingy last weekend. That should have been a penalty on Allison. He took out Danny Ings in the box trying to swipe at the ball. Oh, I missed that one. So. Yeah, in like the ninety, in like the eighty-fifth yeah. minute, uh, there was a, a, a just a bad backwards uh, pass um, that got behind, I think, um, Matip, and Allison swipes and takes Ings down, and the ball still bounces yeah. around. 
it was kind so of similar Liverpool, to it wasn't the it wasn't the same exact thing, but it was kind of similar to what happened last week in the Chelsea match. To Mendy. Chelsea, yeah, where Mendy kind of kind of just runs over a, a player trying to get to the ball. It, it, kind of the same thing happened in this one. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, another another Mary Varmus moment. <laughs> or maybe not so very Mary Varmus so, moment. Liverpool, you know, can consider themselves a little bit lucky to get the full three yeah. points just because yeah. That was a penalty. That was a foul on Danny Ings in the box. That should have been a stone cold penalty. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean Liverpool definitely peppering uh, the goal. So uh, again, maybe a result that uh, that came out correct in the end. But um, I don't know. Like uh, I agree. I, I think you know for Gerard, it's it's it's. It would it would have been powerful. I mean, to to say that Steven Gerrard is a legend at Anfield, I mean that's an understatement. He is Mister Liverpool, you know, and it's it's him coming back home, but sitting in the away dugout, probably for the first time. I mean, easily for the first time in his life, sitting in in a different dugout. So, so it was probably was a little bit a little bit much for him. And he is and he is, uh, you know, relatively speaking, still a young manager. They did get a nice win today. In uh, in the Dean Smith Derby against Norwich two nil um, at uh, at Carrow Road, so that's two straight defeats for Norwich. Um, unfortunately for them, and that is a perfect segue into the next match we'll talk about: Norwich nil, Manchester United one. Um, uh, another game in which uh, VAR had to check a penalty and then agreed. Um, I'm a bit fifty-fifty on this one. So, th- for, in in this one, the ball is is crossing the box. I, I can't remember who did it. Um, it's going towards Ronaldo. He lets out an almighty roar and goes down. And it did look like he was being hassled in the box. I don't know if if I didn't really see a, a good angle on it. Uh, and the referee, you know, agrees. Says yes. Points to the spot. He was fouled in the box. It's a penalty. Um, Var looks at it. Says yes. And uh, he dispatches the penalty in a very Ronaldo-like fashion, and Manchester United run out one-nil winners, despite some really good late chances um, for Norwich. Uh, De Gea had to be called on at least twice, maybe more, um, to keep United ahead in that one. Um, six, uh, yeah, six. So we're, we're six games into the post Ole Gunnar Solskjaer era. United have not lost any of those matches that's under both Carrick and Ralph Ragnick. Uh, and it worked again for them, but only, but only just barely against uh, a fighting for their life Norwich. Uh, did anybody else see the, the penalty incident in this one? Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting because the defender has his arm kind of around Ronaldo's neck. And yeah. so Ronaldo, and then the, the pass comes in and Ronaldo kind of falls down and it's hard to see, I don't think the defender actually pulls him down. I think it's more of a, I think Ronaldo falls down, but at the same point in time, you probably shouldn't have your arm around Ronaldo's neck in the box. So I think it's a completely fine penalty. Um, You know, and I think it was, uh, it was duly won by kind of a wily vet, one of the best to ever do it. And then, you know, to your point, Norwich played, I think, ex- extremely well. I mean, even though they lost there and they lost today, I think Dean Smith's got a point in the right direction. They're at least, they at least seem to be trying more. They seem to be a little bit more dangerous. Timu Puki seems to, 
you know, have realized that he's a striker again. And so, <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing better. And as far as United goes, you know, they haven't lost since, um, you know, Solskjaer departed. And it, this is an example of a team, you know, it was an impressive victory, but it just goes to show that when you have a side that's this talented, they should be able to win even on days when they're not firing on all cylinders. And Maybe the team that's coming in is kind of playing up to them. You know, they're really kind of fired up and, and playing loose. Um, you know, and that's something they kind of struggle to do under Solskjaer, and it's something they're doing now. That's when when the match is supposed to win, even if it's not pretty. Um, and and that's good. That's the direction that United should be going in. I think they're what fifth in the table, and not mm-hmm. far from from fourth. So you know, they're they're climbing. Yeah, they got they got to kick us. They got to kick us out first. Uh, no, this yes, yeah, so they they did move level on points with West Ham. Uh, this was on Saturday night before. The Sunday match, uh, so West Ham now a point ahead, but yeah, they're United are hot on their teal, hot on their heels, and uh, and looking very good. Yeah, five shots on target for Norwich in this one, which is pretty. You know, it's frustrating for them. I think that they didn't find a way to get one in the back of the net, but that's that's pretty that's pretty good. Um, if only they can also get Josh Sargent to realize that he's a striker. Um, Jordan, you were gonna did, did I I I heard I heard your wheels. On the pavement, were you going to cut in here too? And and anything to say on this one? Um, nothing really to add to what okay. y'all have already said. I was just going to ask the question. Maybe this is something that we could think of when we're when we're going into the uh, you know January transfer window. Does Chelsea currently have their best midfield playing on loan at other teams at the Premier League? Because you say Billy Gilmore. And Connor Gallagher. Oh, as, as I watch those two play over the season, I'm wondering what's going to happen when the, their loans their loan spells end at the end of this year, and then they're folded back into the Chelsea squad. Well, because yeah, because with both of those players, I can really see another. Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah moment for Chelsea, which they need to absolutely avoid. They, uh, Chelsea kind of has a habit, and you know they, they kind of turned it around with you know Trevor Chalba, um, and you know keeping Reese James, but they've had a hard you know they've had a hard time over the past decade of you know taking the young talent they sign at the academy level and turning into their first eleven players. And Mason Mount. Mason Mount's a Chelsea Gall- product. I don't think Gallagher or Gilmore, however, are going to be allowed to be recalled in January um, right. because they've played enough matches. And, and just based on – at least that's what The Athletic was reporting, that the, their loan contracts didn't allow them to be returned. So they're, they're going to play out the seasons in, those, in their respective squads, I think. And, I mean, I would say that, yeah, they've got two great – Young midfielders and Billy Gilmore and, and Connor Gallagher playing away from the club right now, but I don't. I don't think their best midfielders are playing away from the club. I think their best midfielders are injured. I think Kovacic and Conte um, being out is is. I mean, th- that's way more hurtful um, at the moment. So, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, Jordan. You're right to see kind of what happens when at the end of the season when their loans end and what happens next summer. You know, does does Thomas Torch will say? You know, assuming he's still there, which I do. Um, 
you know, does he say, yes, we'll, we'll integrate them into the club because he's got that history with Chaloba. And then of course, with Ruben Loftus-Cheek now who we're seeing, I mean, he's another, uh, uh, Chelsea product. I, I, if I remember correctly, that's just been loaned out more recently. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to don't see. Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see, um, kind of how that policy morphs and, and changes, um, going forward. And also great question, Jordan, because that segues us right into the next match, which is Chelsea three leads two. now this one, this one was a bit, uh, this, all right. So this, this one was a bit weird. So, uh, two penalties for Chelsea that I think are, are maybe up for some debate. Um, but it starts with, uh, what to me looked like a pretty straightforward and, and, solid penalty that was converted by Rafinha to put Leeds up one by a goal to nil. And uh, I think I commented to you guys, if <laughs> if you watch this match, when he converts the penalty, they showed the away end, um, which I think was on the opposite end to what, what the penalty was scored. So yeah, so the, the, the penalty was scored at the shed end. The away end is going to be on the other, other side. So they, they put the camera on there and they show what I can only describe as a northern, just a, a, a horde of Yorkshiremen just all jumping up and down, at least two of them shirtless, which I can only imagine for the West Londoners was enough to for them to clutch their pearls and wonder what sort of army has descended on our lovely community. Um, but uh, Chelsea answer back, Mason Mount with a fantastic uh, finish, converted the near post uh, to make it 1-1. We go into the second half, and this is where the first penalty comes in. So Rafinha who, and this is another instance where not a defender, puts in a very not a defender tackle on Antonio Rudiger, who is sitting on the byline, um, and uh, or, the, or, or sitting on the end line, trying to move toward the goal. He gets the ball. Now, yes, his trailing leg, which is also going forward, it, it, it's, it's not two-footed. I wouldn't say it was a two-footed challenge. It was definitely strong. He definitely brings the trailing leg sort of back around and sort of does that. And I hate to use this this phrase for obvious reasons, but he sort of scissors Rudiger uh, and sort of catches him behind. But he gets the ball, and the ball actually, I think, stays almost with Rafinha. It may trickle out at the end, but it sort of stays right there. Rudiger goes over, and I, I originally, I don't think the penalty was called, and then VAR looks at it, Chris Cavanaugh, who... I think he's done a terrible job this season. I, 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 I don't think he's a very good referee. I think he just sort of lets the game. He doesn't take. He doesn't take charge of games. He's like the opposite of Mike Dean. Mike Dean takes too much charge and puts himself into the game. Chris Cavanaugh doesn't. Is just sort of like willy nilly, and is sort of like the supply teacher who lets you do whatever the hell you want during class. So, he's he goes over to the monitor, says, "Oh, yeah, that's a penalty," and then goes back and gives it. I'm not so sure about this one. I, I just, he gets the ball. I know he has the trailing leg. I know it's an awkward challenge. I know it's not great, but I don't really know if there's enough there. I think it's just a strong challenge. I don't think there's necessarily anything dangerous or anything that's foul play about it. Um, it's converted by Giorgino because, of course, it is. Um, Leeds then get the lead um, with about seven minutes to go thanks to... Uh, Joe Gelhart, who uh, I think his first goal 
for Leeds. So a, a young Leeds, Leeds product there getting a very, very important goal, or at least what would have been a very, very important goal at Stamford Bridge. And then another penalty is given. And this time, Chris Cavanaugh does point to the spot immediately, and VAR says, uh, you know, it, it is. Um, Click, you know, sort of puts in not a very smart challenge, I would say, on Rudiger, even though it is very light. Rudiger goes down like he's shot. Um, definitely played up to that one. Um, and then it's converted by Jorginho in the fourth minute of stoppage time and gives Chelsea the win. So two penalties, two VAR decisions. Um, uh, I've kind of, I, I think the second one was a bit more, yeah, probably was a penalty than the first one. I would like to hear some other opinions on this one. Um, did Chelsea deserve to, to escape with the three points here? I think the second penalty was definitely the more suspicious of the two, just in my opinion. Hmm. I mean, I, 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 they're both going for the ball. He happens to kind of clip his, his foot a bit, but, um, you know, I, they're definitely, and, and then Rudiger kind of plays it up. So to, in my mind, it's like, even if there maybe was a penalty there, then Rudiger kind of overacts it. And to me, it just kind of cancels out, which I know isn't the way that it works, but I, I wouldn't have given it, um, you know, at the end of the day, Leeds played well all match. It should have ended 2-2. Chelsea was lucky to get both of those penalty calls. I mean, I don't think they were egregious, but I think they were lucky to get both of them and convert both of them. Um, you know, Mason Mount remains kind of their only dependable option up top at the moment. Yeah. Um, definitely disappointing for, for Leeds. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it felt – what was weird is, like, each decision you could defend, but on the aggregate, it just feels like Leeds got got – had had a few points stolen away from them, I think. I think it's just I have a hard time believing that if somebody as big as strong as Antonio Rudiger can go down that easily <laughs> under a challenge like that. That's my thing. Like at least the first one, he's clearly you know Rafinha's clearly dived in. He's he's kind of come his you know his trailing legs sort of come behind him. Yes, he has the ball, but you know yeah that's a situation where you can kind of trip over. Click just kind of sticks a foot out and catches his his his. And in slow motion, you can sort of see the moment where Rudiger realizes he's been clipped and sort of falls backwards like he's, I don't know, trust falling off of, you know, into a a group of hands or something. I mean, it was very obvious that he was playing this up, um, Jordan. But, you know, Chelsea kind of, they kind of got away with this one, I I think. I think Caleb's got a point. I I think they they escaped um, just by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. You know, talking about Leeds being hard done, I'm also wondering whether or not that was a foul on Stuart Dallas by Marcus Alonso in the build-up to the Mason Mount goal. Because we saw, you know, we saw Alonso give away the pin to Daniel James. Right. And then he comes down that wing. And you see, I see Stuart Dallas go down. And it's a tough challenge, and Marcus Alonso does come away with the ball, but I see Stuart Dallas go down, and I'm thinking, okay, that's a foul on Chelsea right there, free kick for Leeds. And they just let play continue, and, you know, Mason Mount is able to find that space uh, in the box and convert, you know, and bring it back level. So I'm in agreement. I think Chelsea was hard done. I think uh, Leeds was hard done. I thought they should have at least gotten a draw, possibly a victory. And it it matters a lot because today they just got annihilated by City, seven nil. And so I mean, you talk about just 
a, a huge letdown first at the bridge because you fight so hard, work so hard, and you don't get anything out of it. And and under, we'll just say, controversial circumstances, and then you go out and lay just a massive egg. Um, but at the same time, we've talked about this before. I think it's just the way that leads play. You know, they don't really go out and do the defensive thing, and a lot of people admire. Uh, um, uh, Marcelo Bielsa for that. I don't. I think it's it's just bad management. I think you have to set your teams up differently if you're going to come away with with points. You don't have to make major changes, but you do have to account for some stuff, and I just don't think he does that. I think he just sends them out to play the same way every single time, and if it doesn't work, they don't change anything. I don't think that's a good leader. I think that's, that's just bad management, and it's lazy. Um, so uh, they're, they're in a bit of a free fall, at the moment, leads. Um, you know, 17 games played, they got 16 points. They're five points above the relegation zone. Um, and Burnley have a couple of games in hand. So uh, it's 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 tough times. And uh, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, how long is Bielsa uh, going to end up being there? Um, but uh, so finally, so, so, so that was the, the, um, the Chelsea Leeds result. Yes, Jordan, you got another point real quick. So real quick, uh, you know, you were talking about how long do you think Marco Bills is going to be there. I kind of feel like that's kind of determined of whether or yeah. not um, Calvin Phillips comes back, you know, from this hamstring issue, and if Rafinha can keep being talismanic in the attacking third. That's how far I think Marco Bielsa will go. If, if Phillips doesn't come back very soon and or – Rafinha stops, you know, converting penalties and, you know, you know, getting the, uh, you know, really being the spark in the opponent's third, then I think he'll be gone. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, they, they definitely, they need some kind of spark, um, or they need, they need him to, to step up a bit more. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't get that today. We'll just put it that way. Uh, uh, like I said, a big loss there at the, at the city of Manchester Stadium. My goodness. Whew. I'm still living pre-2008 um, at the Etihad. So finally, we'll, we'll go to one more. And this, I mean, there was a dubious decision in this one, but it really, in the, in the grand scheme of things, maybe didn't matter too much. Um, but it did matter certainly to one of our podcasters here. Um, Leicester 4, Newcastle nil. Um, it all got going in the 39th minute with a penalty that was converted by Yuri Tielemans. That was, however, a result of, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Jordan, but it, let's just say James Madison made the most of that one. Like the most, the most. Um, goals later by... Uh, Tielemans got a second later. Pats and Daka scored. Actually, James Madison got his own goal five minutes from time. Uh, it was not a great day at the King Power Stadium for Newcastle. And I will now defer the rest of the segment <laughs> to our resident Newcastle fan, Jordan. Jordan, you may start this segment with your pure anger for James Madison. Um, fucking little shit. <laughs> Fuck you. That was such a dive. I it's pretty blatant. I'm surprised. I'm surprised VAR did not go back and oh, give a yellow for simulation because you could clearly see 
LaSalle's pulling his lead back, and then James Madison goes, okay, I'm just going to launch into him. Not even try to, you know, you know, actually, you know, play the game and get around. I'm just going to go win this penalty right now. Second of all, I feel like Harvey Barnes was offsides, and they did not look at it close enough for me on that Pats and Daka goal. It, it looked really tight. I wish VAR would have looked at it. So, you know, we talked about uh, VAR Claus being kind. He was very fucking stingy to Newcastle. And then those last two goals, when you're down 2-0, you're chasing the game, stuff like that happens. The scoreline got out of proportion just because you are trying to, you know, cr- you know get something back. Um Again, I like the effort going forward, you know, but I know where my team needs to make some major signings, and it's on the defensive, the defensive, the in the defensive half in January. We need at least five new players. My only thing I have going for me right now, because we're about to face Liverpool and Manchester City. We have Liverpool tomorrow and Manchester City on this weekend. So I'm I'm automatically counting those twos as L's. Um, I know there's a gulf in talent. The only thing I am hopeful for right now is the fact that both Burnley, Norwich, and Wadford are all struggling right now. So the bottom four... And you know what? Honestly, including Leeds too, the bottom five are kind of just slowly being pulled down together. And if we could get some results in the new year when the schedule lightens up a little bit, I still feel like we have a chance. I just know that if we're hunting results towards the end of the season in order to save us from relegation, I don't think they're there because our run-in in May is just as tough as our run-in towards the, you know, the, our run-in to the uh, end of the Christmas season. Yeah, there's a run here at the beginning of January. You see it, on the second you're at Southampton, and then you get Cambridge United in the FA Cup, and then it's Watford uh, at home, Leeds, Everton at home, Villa at home, uh, and then you get West Ham uh, down here in London. Um yeah, so I mean, it definitely starts to lighten up uh, a little bit, but you're right. I mean, past maybe, I mean, you you look at it, April. It's 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 Wolves, Leicester again. Go to Norwich, um, but at that point they could be chasing you know relegation, so that could be an, an important one. And then it's Liverpool, City, Arsenal, and then again another potential relegation chasing team in Burnley. So. Uh, January seems like kind of an important month, and I do just wonder how, you know, we, we heard about, there's so there's rubric, Connor, Connor Cody is someone that, that Newcastle are looking at it to, to bring in and maybe shore up that defensive side of things. Um, you know, I think, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jordan, but I think Newcastle fans would also appreciate, you know, some attacking talent, maybe some talent on the wings, um, you know, somebody to, to come in and who can really threaten these other teams and make them a little bit, intimidated by Newcastle and sort of get that intimidation factor back, um, which can play such a big role, especially in those games where you are playing, um, you know, the, these relegation candidates uh, uh, and, and maybe get the edge over them. Um, I just wonder, you know, 
I mean, it seems to me, Jordan, that the, the, the January transfer window is just becoming more and more important every single week for Newcastle. Oh, it is. Um, yeah, the, the the January transfer window is looming very large. Um, I hope with the the solidification of the you know management staff, and now that Eddie Howe has kind of gotten a run in the front office, that you know we can make some impact signs. And I'm talking quickly. Yeah. If we're if we're still if we're still looking at maybe making three signings by you know the middle of the middle of the last two weeks of January, that might mean our season's over. I mean, I really I really want guys as soon as the as soon as the train as soon as the transfer window opens, I want guys in the club. I'd almost be okay with tampering because I mean we got the money to pay the fines now, so. Um, wow! Wow! Okay, boy. So, so first, oh, I guess I got. I need. To, I do need to go back. So first, Jordan, uh, I think earlier in the podcast accused a player of possibly match fixing. So I got to say that disclaimer: we we are not we 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 do not support match fixing, and we do not claim that anybody is match fixing. That was for the Jimenez comment about trying to get sent off. Uh, and then also, we do not support tapping up players bef- uh, illegally. <laughs> In the transfer market, fines or no fines, <laughs> trying to get us in trouble, Jordan. We're not. I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. We don't have the budget to be sued for libel. I'm just going to put it that way, um, or slander or whatever. We have. Caleb would probably know the term better than I would, uh, since he's still in media. Um, if it's in, if it's in print, it's libel. There we go. See, I t- told you he'd come in and help there. Um. Okay, but yes, January signings very much a must for uh, for Newcastle. Uh, some other results this weekend, which we can't talk about maybe as much at length. Uh, on Friday night it was Brentford one, well, Brentford two, Watford one. A stoppage time winner from from uh, Embuemo, uh at the Brentford Community Stadium. And since you're asking, yes, it was also a penalty uh, in the fifth minute of stoppage time. But I think that one was was pretty. Straightforward. I don't think there was any shenanigans going on there. Um, Arsenal three, Southampton nil. A very very good result for Arsenal. Um, comprehensive by the Gunners against a usually very tidy Southampton. Uh, Crystal Palace with a big win against Everton. Connor Gallagher, uh, Jordan alluded to earlier, another big big afternoon for him. He is looking fantastic uh, in the blue and, and red of Crystal Palace. And then the boring match of the weekend, which was Burnley nil, West Ham nil. Uh, just another frustrating afternoon. Uh, we're not getting anything out of our front four, and, and it's just, it, it's not great. I mean, we're still fourth, you know, and, and so that's great. And, and if you'd have told me that we'd be going into Christmas competing for a top four spot, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd probably kiss you. So, so I'm happy overall, but just, uh, again, not a very good performance. So looking forward as a, as a West Ham fan to the match against Arsenal to see if maybe we can, uh, maybe we can turn their fortunes again. Um, and you may notice that's only nine games. That's because Tottenham did not play this weekend, uh, COVID striking in the Premier League, which uh, we'll mention more in a bit. But uh, 
Any any other notes on on those three games? Anybody see that? Brentford with a good result, Arsenal with a good result, Southampton with not so good a result, and we don't have to talk about the other one. Um, just that last goal in the Crystal Palace game that Connor oh, Gallagher yes. got was such a beauty. I think the expected goal percentage from that shot was like point zero three, and he somehow still put that thing in. He's got a future in the in the Premier League, and it's going to be long. And it's probably going to wind up at Manchester City at some point, which is going to be sad. But we're going to be talking about Connor Gallagher for the next decade, or as long as this podcast exists. So, this guy, it was kind of a weird... I can't remember who it was, but it was an Everton defender, and I think it was some sort of like... I think he was just angry. And he sort of like clears the ball angrily, and I think he was just trying to like I don't know make contact or something. It was a weird. It was like a weird. It was like he was he just cleared the ball wildly. It ends up going into the middle of the field. It goes past Andre Gomez. Gallagher kind of steals it off of him and just absolutely yeah, it is a rocket. It was absolutely fantastic. What a goal! Um, but it was just it was a moment of of madness in the Everton backline once again and but it did lead to probably one of the best goals of the season um uh by Connor Gallagher so yeah that was that was a, a fantastic fantastic result so uh before we get to the table um just real quick like i said you know the the Tottenham Brighton game was called off on Sunday due to the amount of COVID cases in the Tottenham dressing room we think that those are being resolved and that they will be able to play against Leicester City that is at 1.30 on Thursday, Central Time, so 2.30 Eastern Time. Um, and then Tottenham's got some catching up to do because they had the Burnley game and then they had the Ron game in the Europa Conference and now they have a Brighton game that they have to make up. So the Tottenham schedule is going to get very, very crowded very, very quickly um, here coming up and they don't have a whole lot of room to move these things around. I mean, this is... So it, it's unless they go out of the FA Cup and they get a few free weekends, which I suppose is possible, uh, it's going to be very, very tough for Tottenham going forward. They're sort of hand, hand, hand stringing themselves. Uh, and another cancellation today, Brentford and uh, United, uh, Manchester United, that was canceled due to a, an outbreak in the Manchester United dressing room. And, uh, you know, which, yeah, uh, Adam, keep real me from, quick, please. The, no, go on, ahead. On, Keep me from on the Ron front. Um, I believe Tottenham is trying to appeal this, but I believe the Europa Conference League has pretty much said that that game is going to be a forfeit because they cannot reschedule it. Good, because it should be because with the with the with the end with the end of the group stage of both the Champions League and the Europa League, the third place teams in the Europa League have to drop down and play. Um, in the Europa League knockout, uh, Europa Conference League knockout matches before right. they go to the before they go to the next round. So there's matches scheduled for I believe like the middle, the like the middle two weeks of February. Yes, that'd be right. Um, and I don't know where ta- and like I said, it's going to be Vitesse that has that has to play them because Tottenham uh, cannot make that match up. Yeah. Well, and it should be. I, I think that's exactly what should happen for a couple of reasons. Number one, my understanding is that Tottenham didn't really 
you know, they just didn't travel. They said, hey, we're not going to go. So they, 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 the, the communication on that front from Tottenham wasn't very good in terms of what they were going to be able to do with that game. I understand there's tough circumstances. You're trying to figure out how many players are available. What do you do? What are the what are the, the protocols? However, we've been at this for, for over a year. You should know by now. And secondly, there is no excuse for any professional footballer right now to not be vaccinated. Absolutely none. You had a whole summer. You had time off. Even if you were at the Euros, you still would have been able to take some time between when the Euros ended and when the season began to get your shot, wait a couple weeks, get your shot again, and then get back into training. You've had international breaks. If, if you weren't called up, you could have taken, uh, taken a shot then. You've got guys like Joshua Kimmich who are out here saying that they don't, they're not sure about the vaccine and they're healthy individuals and, and you know, they just don't know if, if players should be made to do that. Well, guess what? He's been out since early November. He won't be back until January because the, he caught the virus and now his lungs are in such a shape that he's got to retrain and get back up to fitness. There's no excuse. There's absolutely none. And it's ridiculous. These guys are, are privileged. You know, they, get, they make lots of money week in and week out. They work until maybe about the middle of the afternoon. They've got plenty of time to do it, and they still don't do it. And it's just it's baffling to me. I would almost say right now that if you cannot make up a fixture because of this, you've had all this time to get your players vaccinated. If you cannot have that many players to play your game, if you can't get your youngsters to play those games, it should be a forfeit. It should be because it's your own fault at this point. We're past this. We're past the point where I think we can be nice about this stuff. On the Kimmage front, too, you know, he's suggesting, you know, a, a January return. He's not going to be right till the beginning of next season. If he has long-haul COVID that's, gonna, that's caused, you know, such lung issues like he has, um, look at uh, other instances of players in last season. Uh, NFL, for instance, Zeke Elliott caught COVID and did not look right the entire year because he had lung issues. So Kimmich is definitely, you know, over overestimating his bounce back from this if it's that serious. And that's he'll probably have avoided. Too, yeah, he'll probably have wasted an entire season. It all could have been avoided. That's the thing. That's what's so frustrating. It all could have been avoided. And it's and yeah, it's not just professional players. I mean, it's a lot of people uh, across the world right now, especially in our country. And it, you know, I I try and avoid political issues and, and, you know, things like that on this podcast, because I, I, this is just for us to talk about football and to enjoy it. And, and that's what I like. I don't like getting into it. So it's a good thing. This isn't a political issue because it isn't, it's, it's a fucking health issue. Get your shot. And to these players who haven't gotten their shot yet and are causing these outbreaks, you know, Omicron's not that prevalent yet. This is all that's still the Delta variant and it's protected by the vaccine. Get your damn shot. And, and I'm tired of putting up with this mess. And I think the Premier League needs to take a stand. I think leagues across the entire world need to take a stand. Sorry, that was a rant that was about a week in the making. I'm tired of hearing about this shit. It's ridiculous. It really is. Ugh. Okay. Um, so, you know, Manchester United now have a game to make up. Um, lead, or Tottenham have, have, you know, the schedule's just, there's, their schedule's fucked. I mean, and it's their own fault. All right. So, after all that, let's take a look at the Premier League table. Uh, Manchester City, I guess, uh, stay at the top. Um, and with that win today against Leeds, they are now four points ahead. But Liverpool uh, and Chelsea, who are in second and third, they've got games to play. So that 
that gap uh, will probably be made up by the time we uh, get around to this weekend. Uh, West Ham still in fourth. Like I said, they play Arsenal. We'll go over the midweek games here in a minute. Uh, Manchester United are in fifth on 27 points. Arsenal in sixth. Tottenham in seventh. Leicester, Aston Villa, and Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, round out the top 10. <clears throat> Brentford up to 11th after that win this weekend. Brighton just behind them on uh, on 20 points with a game in hand. No fault of their own, unfortunately, there. Crystal Palace in 13th. Everton uh, occupy 14th after sort of an up-and-down week for them. Southampton in 15th. Leeds and Watford sitting just above that relegation zone in 16th and 17th. And the bottom three, Burnley, Newcastle, and bottom of the table, Norwich. Uh, so while I take a breather, after that, uh, Caleb, how did the weekend look in the championship? Absolutely. 100% agree with you, by the way, Adam. Very well put. Um, passionate. Uh, I feel uh, I have a similar level of anger for the way that Fulham's been playing recently. Oh, um, that's right. Not as serious, but uh, another draw by Fulham. And really the most concerning, four in a row. I think they're undefeated through 11, but still 1-1 uh, against Luton Town. And just, you know, a, a match that lacked all sense of... Um, imagination and, and no one was dynamic. Of course, Mitrovic scores the the only goal, um, but really just a concerning run. Burnmouth continues their poor form as well, so they lost to Blackburn. Um, so Cottagers remain two points above the Cherries, but the rest of the league is catching up. West Brom's now only five points off the lead, followed by Blackburn, QPR, Stoke City. Uh, Stoke beat QPR to get back in the top six and in the playoff position, so um, the top of the table in the championship is really starting to compress, um, which is probably more exciting for um, the neutral sides. It's concerning for um, those of us who for <laughs> the Cottagers. Uh, Peterborough, Barnsley, Darby County at the bottom, although Darby won last week. They've actually been doing quite well recently. I, I don't think they'll stay up, but they'd be a middle-of-the-pack team were not for their point deductions, so... Probably a team that if they're not um, in the uh, championship next year, then they will be back soon, I imagine. Hmm. And then Stoke City, Coventry play Saturday at noon Eastern time. That's your game of the week. Fulham knows I'll be on the road Saturday to Texas, so they will play Monday against Sheffield United. Ah, how convenient. I know. The cons called me up and said, hey, you got any <laughs> holiday plans? I explained it to them. like, well, let's just move the, the match to Monday for you. And I was like, oh, that'll be perfect, lads. I appreciate you. By the way, QPR is another team that's annoying me right now because they their their COVID is kind of running rampant as well. I think they they had a Monday match against Sheffield United that had to be canceled um, because they of COVID. Constantly, so well, yeah. The, the <laughs> and then they've got the I guess I've just seen now it looks like their their match against Swansea it might be postponed. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just what the score app in front of me is telling me uh, for Saturday. So that would be two. Missed by them. Just, Which is that's... a shame because Swansea got crushed by Nottingham Forest. So that is a, that is a team to play right now. Uh, you know, in fairness to Fulham, though, going to Luton is tough. They're 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 playing they're, they're playing hard this year. They're putting in the good work because they they, they play hard. That, I mean, yeah. not not taking anything away from them. I mean, they deserve that point. I mean, they they were physical. Yeah. They attacked well. I mean, you know, or they they countered well. I mean, they they had a game plan. They stuck to it. I mean, they deserve that point definitely. Um, fantastic. Well, thank you, Caleb, uh, for that update from the championship. Always appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> and hearing how closer we're getting to uh, to Fulham 
fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever, being back in the Premier League. Okay. Um, oh, what's next on the list? Oh, midweek games. Yes, so there's it's another midweek uh, a match, another week of games in the midweek for the Premier League. We already had those two today, which is Tuesday, December the 14th. Uh, Aston Villa beat Norwich by two goals to nil, <clears throat> and then City just ran all over Leeds 7-0. Uh, so Wednesday... Uh, which is tomorrow. So it's we got uh, Brighton against Wolves. Um, that's at 2.30 Eastern time. Burnley against Watford, also at 2.30. Crystal Palace against Southampton uh, at 2.30. And then the big one of the day, Arsenal, welcoming West, West Ham uh, to the Emirates Stadium. That's at 3 o'clock. <clears throat> Excuse me. West. <laughs> There's a bit, bit too much East London. I, I had to cough the rest of the Cockney out. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Arsenal against West Ham at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Then on Thursday, uh, December the 16th, Leicester against Tottenham Hotspur. First time we've seen Tottenham in a while. Welcome back, boys. Uh, That's at 2.30 Eastern time. Chelsea and Everton, they're they're staggering these. I don't really understand. So 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 that was at 2.30. 2.45, for whatever reason, is Chelsea against Everton. I think that's on NBCSN. Excuse me. That's on NBCSN. And then Liverpool against Newcastle. Sorry, Jordan. That's at 3 o'clock Eastern time uh, on Thursday. So those are your midweek games. Uh, Before we get into this weekend, let's talk a little bit about Top Shelf Picks. Uh, So you guys had a pretty good weekend. I did not. Um, We'll just... Go over that in a minute. So with the Man City Wolves again, I went. I, I trusted Wolves, and they fi- they betrayed me. Uh, so my prediction of a draw in that game didn't get me any points. Both of you won because you said City would win, and you were correct. Although not uh, nobody got a scoreline correct this time, unfortunately, uh, for this weekend. Liverpool Aston Villa. We all got that one right. Um, we all predicted a win for Newcastle or for Liverpool, and they delivered. Leicester Newcastle. Unfortunately, Jordan, you and I both uh, missed out on that one, but Caleb correctly went against the grain and predicted that Leicester would win. And they didn't, they won by a little bit bigger than he predicted 3-1, but uh, he did get that right. So Caleb has extended his lead at the top. He's ahead of you, Jordan, by three points Um, on 25. You did pick up two points in this weekend, Jordan. So you're at 22 points and I am now at 18 because I only picked up one uh, from the weekend. So I've got even farther to go. Um, But hopefully this weekend, I will catch up. So the first one up this weekend, it's the one that starts us out early on Saturday, Manchester United against Brighton. Like I said, Manchester United have not lost uh, since the departure of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They're also at home, um, which, uh, given the given the opponent, could be a good or bad thing. Uh, Brighton have been looking good this season. They've sort of fallen off more recently. However, I think in the last two that they have played... Neil Mope scored an equalizer at the very end, uh, so in stoppage time. So they are still scrapping away. Uh, and this one's maybe a little bit tough. And uh, So we'll go to uh, our table leader, Caleb, for the first prediction for this one. Um, what, are we, what can we expect from Old Trafford uh, between Manchester United and Brighton? Um. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really tempted to pick a one-one draw with Neil Mupe scoring at about I don't know the ninety-second minute. Three times in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
hard to see lightning strike three times. I have been very high on Brighton, and they played they played okay. They're just, I mean, frankly, they're just not they're not scoring a whole lot. But if you go back and you look at their season, I mean, they drew Arsenal, they drew mm-hmm. Liverpool, they drew West Ham, you know, and so you know they drew Leicester City in the in the AFL Cup for losing on on penalties. So you know they've they've had a really strong season. They kind of play up to their competition. So I'm gonna. I'm going to go against my better judgment, and I'm going to guess a 1-1 draw against United. It's probably a 2-1 United win, but I'd love to see a 1-1 draw. It's interesting that you say a 2-1 United win, because that's exactly what I predicted. A 2-1 United win. I think it's going to, I think they're going to be under, I think they're going to be under it for a lot of this match, though. I think Brighton are going to come at them. Um, I'm really interested in, um, you know, seeing how these formations and everything shake out, um, but uh, you know, with with United sort of playing in that four two 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 formation versus Brighton's very structured three man at the back sort of sort of uh, setup. So I think it's going to be interesting, but I do think United will get one just at the end and escape this one, um, just barely, sort of like they did against Norwich. Uh, so Jordan. Uh, Caleb's saying a draw. I'm saying United win. What do you think will happen at Old Trafford? You know, uh, Adam, as uh, as soon as Caleb said a draw, my mind was made up. And the scoreline he said and the one you you picked sounds perfect. Um, It's going to be 2-1 Manchester United. Okay. I got to pick up. Yeah. I got to pick up some points against Caleb, and I got to make sure you stay behind me. So, picking the same result as you and the same scoreline, got to be the play. It's tactical. Uh, the next one. So we had a discussion beforehand, and we think we're going to try and pick maybe some more of these games that are kind of uh, off the wall, or maybe a little bit less, you know, upfront. Don't involve necessarily the big teams, but do involve what could be an interesting clash. Uh, so Watford against Crystal Palace. Uh, this will be from Vicarage Road. This is, I think, on Saturday afternoon. So Saturday mid-morning for us. Um, and this one's so off the wall that I'm not entirely sure how it's going to end. Uh, Watford at home have been pretty strong. They they seem to be buoyed by the Vicarage Road crowd. However, Crystal Palace are in form. Connor Gallagher's looking very good. Um... I'm I'm gonna say, I think it's going to be a two-two draw. I think I think Palace are going to get. I think it's going to be a late goal from Palace that that brings it level. I think Watford are going to come out strong. I think it's going to take an early lead, and they're unfortunately going to see that um, fall away just at the end. So I got a two-two draw. Jordan, I think of all of us, you're the one who who kind of wanted to see this one the most and made this suggestion. Thank you very much for that. Um, so what, 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 what are you, what are you seeing in your, your crystal ball from Vicarage Road? This is going to be a 2-1 Crystal Palace win. Oh, oops. There we go. There we go. Okay. 2-1 to Crystal Palace. I'm guessing Connor Gallagher. Yes. And, um, I'm going to say it's going to be Zaha, Connor Gallagher, and Emmanuel Dennis who do the scoring. (laughs) There you go. Um... Yeah, I, I I start to wonder as well whether Odson Edward will will get, start getting in the goals for Palace a little bit more. 
so a draw from me, a Palace win from Jordan. Caleb, you're last on this one. What do you got? I like the Palace win. I like the one goal margin, but I'm going to go 3-2 Palace. Ooh, that's going to be exciting. I almost hope for that one. Um, this is going to be this. I, I can see the situation lining up just like this. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be two two, and I'm gonna be celebrating. And then then like the third minute, Palace is gonna score and make it three two. Um, and just finally, like the Adam, just like the match we watched we watched at your dad's house, which also involved Palace. Yeah, see, there you go. Uh, yeah, but that was that was mean. So this time I'm going to get it back. Uh, and finally, so this one's on a Sunday, Wolves against Chelsea. Uh, Jordan, you're up first on this one. I'm I'm thinking this this one seems interesting to me because, well, for a couple of reasons I'll explain in a minute. But I'll let you guys predict first. So so Wolves, Chelsea from Molyneux, potentially tough one for Chelsea. Jordan, what do you got? It's one nil Chelsea. Ooh. Very tight, very tight. I feel like I feel like Chelsea is going to get a goal, but like we talked about earlier, Wolves does not have enough attacking prowess prowess going forward right now to really break down that Chelsea defense. Uh, yeah, certainly they're going to have to find something. Uh, so one nil to Chelsea. Caleb, do you also have a win for the West Londoners? I do, and I also have it one nil. I don't think I think Conte and Chalba are still going to be out. I think Chilwell is doing a little bit of light running. Uh, Lukaku's been trying to get back into fitness, so um, yeah, I think one nil makes sense. Wolves have defended extremely well. Um, uh, I'm going to say Rudiger draws a penalty, and uh, <laughs> uh, who, who, who knocks it in? Adam, who's got to be? The... It will be Jorginho. Of course, of yeah. course. Um, so, so this is tough because I think, I think we had, we had Wolves Liverpool and I said it was going to end 1-1 in a draw and then it didn't end it 1-0. And then we had Wolves City last week and I said, okay, well this is, this one's going to end 1-1 and uh, it didn't and it ended 1-0. I'm very tempted and I, I think I'm going to try it. So this is third time's the charm. And third if, time. Third time's the charm, Adam. If if this doesn't work, I will not predict the scoreline for Wolves again this season. I'm just gonna put it like that. Um so so yeah, so I've got one one Wolves Chelsea and hopeful hope hoping that they, they come good um this time around. So, speaking of this time around, let's have a look at the weekend coming up. So uh on Saturday, and I th- I think I put this I may have just put this in italics by accident. Um, so it's supposed to be Manchester United versus Brighton. Like we said, the Brentford game has been canceled and postponed. In fact, I didn't think about that before picking it for top shelf picks. I assume that we're going to go ahead with this one. Um, but uh, so Manchester United versus Brighton is supposed to start us out at seven thirty. That's going to be on NBC SN. Uh, Aston Villa against Burnley, which I think is going to be on Peacock. Uh, that's at 10 a.m. Other 10 a.m. kickoff, Southampton versus Brentford. That's definitely going to be on Peacock. Watford versus Crystal Palace, also on Peacock. And then West Ham, Norwich, uh, I believe, again, on... Uh, well, actually, no. One of those will be on NBCSN. I'm just not sure which one yet. Uh, on NBC, Leeds versus Arsenal. That's the 12.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. That's on NBC and Peacock. Uh, 
Uh, a full day on Sunday as well, and starts at kind of an unusual time, so take note of that, at 7 a.m. Eastern. Um, again, it's kind of weird for a Sunday. Everton versus Leicester uh, on NBCSN. Then on USA Network, it's Wolves against Chelsea. That's at 9 a.m. Then at 9.15 a.m., Newcastle against City. Again, commiserations, Jordan. Uh, that's on NBCSN. And then Tottenham versus Liverpool, that's at uh, 11.30 on what I assume is going to be NBCSN. I didn't really see the schedule. I think it's kind of weird this week with the midweek matches, but your weekend ends with Tottenham versus Liverpool um, and Tottenham with a chance to shake off that rust in the midweek. So that's your Premier League for this week. A very good show, guys, indeed. But before we go, I think we do have to talk about the little bit of business that was the Champions League draw. Uh, this week, and what a rarity, we actually got two of them. Uh, there was some kind of, I don't know, technological era, er, error, error, technological error or something that happened uh, in the first draw that sort of made it uh, void, Adam. and so they had to do the entire thing over again. I imagine this is Jordan saying he can explain everything, so please, Jordan. So when they were drawing for Atletico Madrid, they inadvertently said that Manchester United was out of the out of the pod that they that they could select from when they should have said Manchester City as they won the group so by removing Manchester United from the Atletico Madrid you know drawing they uh, which uh, which was a legal option they invalidated the draw because it wasn't truly a a just a randomized draw because you removed a team that was a playable option for Atletico Madrid at the time. Okay. Why was City not wait? Why because should, City won the group. Right. That why does that why does that matter? Because because Atletico And I believe I think City had already been drawn. Okay, that would be, that would make more sense. <laughs> there was some kind of kind of issue, but that because that's the thing, City won their group, but they were in a different they were in a different group to Atletico Madrid, and Atletico did finish second, which would make them eligible to be drawn against City if they had not already been drawn. But they were in different groups because my so my understanding is there two, there's two th- two things that that happen. In the round of 16. So you cannot be drawn against a nation from your own domestic league. So you you have to take those balls out for whatever team is up. You have to take, you know, so if, if United were the one being drawn, you, you were drawing a team against United, you'd have to take, you'd have to take whoever was the runner up, uh, an, an English team that was a runner up in their group. So you'd have to take Chelsea out, for example, um, who I think were, yeah, they finished second in their group. Um, and then you also can't play the same team from your group. So for United's sake, if they were being drawn, they could not be drawn against Villarreal because they were in the same group. So those are the two things. And something like that went wrong. Like there, there was a team that was taken out that could have been eligible, I think is, is basically it. I don't, I don't know who exactly it was. But basically they had to redo the entire thing again. Um, it was Manchester United who got removed uh, when they shouldn't have been. Okay, so there you go. So, yeah, they so, said yeah. they said Manchester City, but they pulled Manchester United. Okay. 
So they removed a viable option from the randomized draw, making it void. Okay. So it resulted in this. So here's the Premier League teams who, who've made it through. So City now gets Sporting, um, and that first match is on February the 15th. Liverpool get Inter. I'm really interested in that one. Chelsea get Lille, um, which I think Jordan has another funny story about. And uh, Manchester United are playing Atletico Madrid, and that's going to be on the, the uh, 23rd. So Chelsea, Lille's on the 22nd. Atletico Madrid, Manchester United on the 23rd. These are the first legs. And then Inter versus Liverpool is on the 16th. Wasn't there a story about a Chelsea fan who, who I guess, got, got yeah. confused in the draws, didn't he? No, no, no. It was a Chelsea fan who posted, I believe, on Twitter. Or, or actually, it was Snapchat that got posted to Twitter that he already had his flight and hotel booked for the first for the the, the leg in Leo. Then it was announced that the the initial draw was voided. Right. He got back online, got the ref, got into the process for refund refunding the flight and the hotel. And by the time that process had completed, the second draw had occurred. And it flashed Chelsea versus Lille across his TV screen. So <laughs> he did all that work for literally nothing. But was, but, and I don't know if this is going to benefit Manchester United or not, but they were drawn against PSG in the first draw. So yes. we would have seen yes. Ronaldo versus Messi, you know, lock and loaded one more time. Um, but... That's going to be safe for later, and I, I feel like the draw possibly got a little bit easier for United, but not much. Yeah, possibly that too, but definitely, yeah, I don't think you want Messi Ronaldo in the round of sixteen. That's a quarterfinal or later, uh, or later or later draw there. Um, but PSG get Real Madrid, so <laughs> sucks to suck. Um, but anyway, so that, that's all in February, but between now and then, it'll be all about the English football, of course, all the time. We still have a lot of games coming up. Um, FA Cup's getting closer. Christmas presents are getting closer. Christmas time is getting closer. Boxing Day is getting closer. Um, and next week will be, I think, gentlemen, unfortunately, our last show of the year, because the week after that... Um, the 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 make the creating of the show will be not possible due to family commitments uh, and holiday things. So we're gonna make it a Christmas blowout. Christmas party show is next week. There will be beer. Uh, there will be party games such as uh, what is Father Christmas bringing to which Premier League team and who's getting lumps of coal this year. Um, who is uh, uh, we'll do a I will create a just hard enough but not too difficult Premier League pub quiz, which we'll be able to participate in. Uh, and I think it'd be nice to just kind of look back on the year that was and kind of celebrate and uh, and, and enjoy the glorious year of football that we had. We got fans back in the stadiums. We had the Euro, we had Euro 2020. We'll talk about all of that stuff next week. So maybe a bit a little bit less on the games and more about on the fun for next week if you guys are all right with that i think uh i th- i think we i think we i think we deserve it that sounds great i'm all for it sounds i'll lovely. see if i can get some pies 
See, so I'll see if I can find some pies. I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to find and find something other than a chicken pot pie here in Oklahoma City, but I'll look. Um, all right, so Christmas show coming up. But until then, Jordan, if you will. Let's go eat some pies. Let's go eat some pies. Let's go find some. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.